Welcome to 1202, the Human Factors Podcast. The podcast that covers all things about humans, technology, and particularly the bit in between. With your host, Barry Kirby. Welcome to this lockdown episode of the 1202 Human Factors Podcast. It is a great pleasure to welcome you to my um, kitchen or dining room. And the person who I'm interviewing today is just sat opposite me now, just mocking me, which is a great way to start. Um, I believe we're in week four of, of lockdown, and though we're not entirely sure, I don't even know kind of what, what day, day it is. is yeah. yeah, we don't know what day it is, and and kind of what we're meant to be doing anymore. Um, bank holidays happened, and and it just all went in a blink of an eye. However, that's my excuse for not getting out the podcast when it should have been out, which was supposed to be on Monday. And hopefully, this will make up for it. Today's the new Monday. So, yeah. Okay. Well, every day is Monday, and Tuesdays. I don't like Mondays. Yeah. Um, I'd like to welcome my guest, is somebody who I've wanted to interview for a very long time and find out what they're doing. Um, it is the uh, research director of, of K-Sharp, um, Amanda Kirby. Amanda, welcome. Thanks. Um, you might have got the, the clue in the name. We not only do some fantastic work together in, 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 in our company, um, but we're also married together as well and have, have children and, um, and all that sort of stuff. So... She's a bit of a captive audience, but I would say that actually, I'd like to say that you know she listens to my podcast regularly and is an avid fan. But as she quite pointed out last time, she's only ever listened to this once. So it's a good uh, episode, though. Well, they're all good episodes. I wouldn't um, know. Exactly, that's where we're going. So what we're going to do is um, talk to Amanda. I'd love to know actually what she does, um, and so we're going to find out a bit more about what she's done and how she actually got to um, being where she is today. But then we also uh, want to talk about cyber communities. Obviously, in this state of lockdown with, with COVID-19 and everything that's going on, most of our um, relationships at the moment are going on online one way or another. So we're going to talk about a bit the positive and negatives um, of that and what potentially the impact of that could be. And maybe some things that we need to be doing and uh, in our sort of cyber behaviour um, that we need to be thinking about. But to kick it off, let's find out... A, bit more about um, about Amanda. So Amanda, you're um, welcome and this will be a new novel experience for you having you, you know, admitted that you don't really listen to the work that we do here. Um, but you've been research director at K-Sharp now for, for quite a while um, since, since we started. How long have we been going now? About eight years or something like that? No idea. A long time. Um, what exactly does the research director do in K-Sharp? That's a very good question, Barry. Well... <laughs> I think Thanks for that. I think what I do is monitor research frameworks that we're part of for possible future work mm -hmm. that fits in with our team skills, whatever they may be. Uh, We've and, got skills. And, our, um, and sits well with our strategy, whatever that is. Um, selling as well. <laughs> <laughs> and I also like to follow current trends and issues to identify possible internal research ideas or things that might support work that we're currently doing or thinking of doing in the future. Cool. Um, so what sort of uh, research trends and that are you looking at the moment? I have... Ooh, I'm trying to think of some examples. Um, I'm finding it really interesting how people are using... Um, video conferencing and other online systems currently. I think finding it fascinating how different people are adapting to it. Considering we've had video calls and video conferencing for a very long time, 
Nobody seems to know how they work. And it's, it's embarrassing. It's been a learning experience <laughs> for everyone. Um, and I think, I hope, that it will now be embraced for in the future rather than forcing people to travel miles and miles to sit in a room with people. There are so many other different ways of doing it. And I think that's very interesting mm-hmm. how people use it as well as how it could be utilised by people. Yeah. But and I know I, we're going to come on to that. Oh, so we'll probably come into it in a bit, but it is interesting as well just how how quickly large organisations have embraced it because of, well, they've, they've had, had to, to yeah. rather than actually, like you say, it's been around for a long time and there's possible, it's not just the technology, but it's the trust and everything that's gone around it. But let's not, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll, okay, come, yeah. we'll come on to that. Okay. So obviously um, you aspired to be a research director for, for a very long time, oh, yes. clearly. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the, where did it, so where did it all begin for you? What was, um, where, where, where did you start getting into... Um, because you're, uh, you're, you're a qualified engineer, um, things like that, which is not a, your average career path for um, for women at, um, when you went through university. So how did it all begin for you? Where did all that come from? I think I've always wanted to be an engineer, as long as I can remember, mainly because it was seen as something that I couldn't or shouldn't do, therefore that made me want to do it more, because that's the kind of person I am. Stubborn, belligerent. Oh, maybe, yeah, okay. one of those things. Um, and it was more a case of finding out what, branch of engineering I wanted to follow rather than anything else. Um, I did GCSEs and A-levels and then when it came to finding university I found that quite tricky because I wasn't quite sure what on earth I wanted to do. Uh, All the sort of general proper engineering things didn't really interest me so I looked at doing robotics, uh, cybernetics at Reading um, and then there was this funny little course that came up at this little university called Cranfield um, it's Literally university. <laughs> tiny. It was little compared to all the others. Well, okay. We had 500 undergraduates. I don't think anyone else went to university like that. Anyway, um, <laughs> and I went for the open day and my interview and we were put on a bus. We came in with all the other little um, people, mainly radiographers actually. There weren't that many other people. Um, and we came through the gates and there was this Harrier jump jet sitting on the front lawn and then this kind of big torpedo and it was not like anything I'd ever seen before. I thought it was awesome. So just to clarify, you're not talking about Cranfield in their side of Bedford or anything? No, you're talking about Shrivenham. The Royal Military College of Science at Shrivenham. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Um, which is all the people at Cranfield. Which, do, who, which doesn't with, exist anymore after do, we left. It does for, postgra- for postgrads, yeah. it does, not yeah. for undergrads. When they close the gates after we, <laughs> we broke it. <laughs> um, anyway, so I accepted a place at Shrivenham and did, what did we do? Command and control, communications and information systems engineering. Yeah, I still have no idea what it that It was means. a very long-winded way of saying CIS or three, three, C3I, I think it was, which was a huge, big military buzzword at the time. It's not used quite so much anymore. We would be called. I think now it would be called disruptive technologies or something like that. If it was, it's true, if actually, it was yeah. now, yeah, that's true. Because yeah, so, we, we did a whole. For the, for, if you haven't clued into this, we actually met at university and we were on the same course. Um, <laughs> but the the course itself did cover um, everything from advanced programming all the way through to knowledge based systems. Um, what was that weird one you did? Um, artificial intelligence. That was the one. Um, I did things like more boring things like project management and but things we did like that. Telecommunications but and jamming and military communication systems, we all yeah. sorts of stuff. It was really interesting. So, Bit of everything. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, most of the people on the course were already military in some way. Like you. me. 
Um, and there were very few people like me who weren't in any kind of military stuff. Um, so during my school holidays, school holidays, university holidays, I applied for jobs at places that might be of interest. And one of them was DERA, which was the Defence and Evaluation Research Agency, which was an agency of the MOD at the time, based in Malvern in Worcestershire. So I went there during my summer holidays and then I, they wrote to me after I went back to university to offer me a bursary for my final year, which was very sweet of them. Um, and then I got an interview and a job offer before I even graduated. So that was very useful. So I know a lot of my friends, when they finished university, they all sort of panicked and didn't have jobs. But <laughs> I did. It was all good. So Smug. I joined Dara <laughs> and... Um, that was really interesting and then about after I'd been there about a year I think it was this crazy stuff happened and they mm. split between becoming PSTL as it is now and Kinetic and I stayed in Kinetic and stayed there for however long it was until I decided to have a career break because we had too many children but um, in my um, time at Kinetic I worked at various departments including the communications department um, data mining team which turned out to be a special projects team um, information exploitation, all sorts of things about data and analy an analysis, an analysis, however you say the word, data analysis. There right, okay. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, I had a career break and I was going to have five years. It's all going to be lovely. I was spend it with my children. Yeah. And then somebody <laughs> decided to jack his job in and set up his own company and needed help. So I ended up doing that. So I didn't get my nice long career break <laughs> that I wanted. And yes, I've blamed him ever since. Oh, that's me, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah I you. remember. Okay, that's very. This podcast is supported by K Sharp, the human science research and human factors consultancy. If you want to know how innovating in the relationship between humans and technology can add value to your business, product, or research, then visit www.ksharp.co.uk. You, you saw. You've gone down that engineering path, and um, before I crow about you into um, being a director of the company, even before then, you've had a really strong drive to do engineering, to do sort of the cyber, the and that that type of thing. What do you think has really driven you down that route? Why? What, what, what interests you about it? I am interested by data and patterns you find in data and information that you can't see just by looking at it. You have to kind of explore a bit more and make lots of connections. I like that kind of thing. Um, it's just what I've kind of been, I've just followed what I'm interested in and that's mm -hmm. where I've ended up. Cool. It's quite interesting because when we both try and sell K-Sharp to different audiences, <laughs> um, I'm very strong, obviously, on the on the user side and the fact that we do um, basically uh, human factors, human sciences, no. and all that sort of stuff. You're very keen that we're not doing that. I hate um, the term human sciences. I don't know what it is about it, but I just dislike it. Which is a problem when we're a human <laughs> science business. Um, I so, see myself as a systems engineer, so right. I see ourselves as designing user-oriented systems or user-based systems. Mm -hmm. That's how I see ourselves. That's that, how yeah. I would describe what we right? <laughs> well, let's not have a row. Um, that's probably not best. Um, but it's, I mean, for me, it is actually um, a really good coming together of your systems-based thinking and my sort of human-based thinking. And the fact that it shows that actually the human side of things is just large, la larger part of, um, sorry, small part of the larger engineering picture. 
and the fact that we can bring in multiple dis multiple disciplines together uh, to make some really great product. Obviously. <laughs> so we've been in lockdown now for um, four weeks, we two and a half know. weeks. We don't know. Quite a while. Um, and we, in, in the lucky position that um, we're actually still continuing with our research, we're still doing, um, still doing work for our clients, um, which is great. But we're only able to do this, I think, because of the facilities that are afforded to us. So, like as, as we mentioned earlier on, the ability to do um, teleconferencing, video conferencing, um, all of our stuff is stored in, in cloud and things like that, so we can access it anywhere. Um, we've been very lucky that... Um, that we can that we we've already set up for that sort of capability, but even looking at it from um, just from a relationships perspective, I think the the ability to access stuff through things like social media and keep in touch with people has been, I think, very different today, even from when it would have been sort of ten years ago. Yeah, well, I think one of the comments I was going to make was what we've done in pre the digital age. What we've done if this happened, where we all had to stay in our houses before we had this amazing technology. How would people, well, how would they have organised communities when we can't actually meet face to face? Yeah. It's, so it's, a, it's interesting, isn't it? Because the, the, rec was the last, um, last big academic, epidemic that hit like this, or pandemic that hit like this, was like Spanish flu and, and things like that, which is... Was that pre before we were born? Yeah, long time, yeah. yeah. Well before we were born. <laughs> Just say, um, it wasn't recently, was it? So... <laughs> What I really wanted to talk about today is like let's look at the some of the positives first and some of them are not necessarily positive but they, they mm -hmm. are they kind of are um, because I think there's been some really good advances. I can't in believe terms you of, put Skype as a positive. Well, it sort of is, <laughs> um, but then also look at some of the negatives as well because there's some bits that I think of we because we've got so much information coming through it, it's very hyper rich, and then maybe some lessons about what we could do about it. So. To hit the positives first, yes, there's been stacks of different ways of communicating. We've got things like Skype, Zoom, Daily, which we're using quite a lot of. Um, house Party. That we I haven't know. heard good things about that at all, though. No. Um, and I think there is some elements here, isn't it, about what Try about, about your what works for you, um, but also your data security as well. Another thread that I've been following that people have been talking about is that up until now, Skype has been the thing that everyone refers to almost like Hoover, yes, or yeah, whatever other words like that to mean talking video conferencing, you're Skyping someone. But when we look at the numbers of what people are using, what um, systems we've been using, people aren't using Skype, it's like a really mm. tiny percentage of people, and most people are using Zoom, I think. Yeah, not that we tried that yet, but um, but it's interesting that people have moved away from Skype. And what is it that is well, making it's, it's, other things more usable? And well, it's quite interesting, is it? Because Skype is by Microsoft and as part as part of their suite and if you use the business version of that then I think it used to be called Link and is now all been all Skype for business and is all merged together but I think a lot of people just find it it's um, really really hard to use yeah um, certainly now when there's so many other options out there now it might be more secure it might have elements the way that Skype for business does link into your if you're using Teams um, as part of the 365 package then it works there quite well I, I would guess if you've got it built in as part of your enterprise, it works but well. Finding but, people on it, or you know, anything yeah. like that, just it seems to be every time we've used it, there's always been someone who's kind of, it's just not working. But then, so one of the pluses about it is I've 
obviously interviewed quite a lot of people remotely um, for this podcast using Skype. Um, and the record function, uh, that works quite well. And also, we have used it for um, when we worked with the 7FM um, radio station. When, whenever we... And so, that's a number of years ago now. Um, but we all, whenever anybody was coming in from external, then you Skyped in. And even now, um, I was with them talking, talking to the, the show last Saturday, and still Skyped in. So it, when you've got it set up, it can work well. But it's not that there's so many more products out there now that work a lot better. better. Mm. So I was introduced to Daily, um, so that's daily.co, um, by um, Joe Polson of Vindico. And he suggested we have a look at it because actually you just get a link. You click it and you go to the room that's set up. You can set up for free, I think, and really up to sort of eight groups of people um, you can have you can webcam with. That seems to work quite nicely. It's so simple to use um, that we've used it now for teams and teams of people. We've used it for um, uh, pub quizzes, um, which has been quite useful. And I use it for... Um, my team every morning um, to have a quick half hour and, and sort of make sure everybody's not gone completely um, insane yet. So that's worked quite well. I've only had one go with Zoom, and that was with uh, David Darkin of Darkin Architects. I haven't used it yet. The kids seem to be mainly using Instagram and Facebook Messenger. Our daughter was meant to go to a party at a friend's house a couple of weeks ago, obviously couldn't, and they very ingeniously set up using Discord, which is another thing I haven't used before yet, they set up a Discord party, but they made up a chat within the party for every single room in the person's house so they could pretend they were at the party and wander from room to room and have different How things. How did they not know this? <laughs> That's really awesome. Brilliant. I know. But I think they've kept it going, so they've, they've yeah, kept yeah. it over a number of days and they can just hang so, out in different rooms. So Discord was originally set up as a gamer network, yeah. isn't it? A gamer chat network. So does that include video as well? Or is that just... I have uh, no idea. But I know um, other friends who use it when they're using Minecraft and stuff with other friends, they find it quite useful. It's not something that our kids have been into so far, so it'll be interesting yeah. to see how that develops. But it's, no, but it, it's just interesting to see all the different things that people are trying and and how you're how you're setting up. And you, yeah, because you, you, you the basic setup, I guess, an, an analogy of, of the physical yeah. setup, um, and I guess that's where House Party as well is meant to have done something because that that again is lots of different um, people's um, video feeds. Or just walked into one big. Um, every time I've seen pictures of it, it just reminds me of a really big CCTV centre, mm. and um, and just fills me with fear. How you can how you can expect to have that much concentration across everybody, I don't know. But um, it'd be interesting to hear if anybody's got any comments on that to um, yeah, to hear that if they, if they were to contact us. I haven't us. heard good things about house party in terms of safety and security mm. and Zoom obviously has issues as well. But we're going to come on to that I think in a bit. Well. Zoom, like I said, when I used it, I've only used it once, and that was, um, again, where um, a friend of ours who, who's an architect, he we had a con basically gives a consultation for um, a future um, project that we might be doing. And what was quite cool about what he did was you can set up the background. So in uh, Skype, you can make sure nobody sees what's, in, what's behind you, but you can blur your background. But in Zoom, you can actually set up the background to be... Um, almost like green screen, anything you want, and he'd set up his own corporate image. So he'd had uh, Darkened Architects in the background, um, which actually, you know, is, is clearly adapting to uh, what he needs to do, and that, I thought that worked really, really well in terms of projecting your, your um, um, a corporate, corporate image. Um, 
Whereas at the moment, if you Skype or you um, try and contact me by video, you get, I think, our games library uh, in our background. Or if I turn it around the other way, you can see down the end of our garden um, and things like that, which is possibly not the best, but um, gives an opportunity to talk about games, which is good. The other thing I was going to mention there was about um, education. Obviously, we don't send our children to school. It's a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> but we do have tutors for some things. So um, last week, one of my daughters had their first tutoring online, and they were using Google Classroom and Google Hangouts, mm-hmm. which I'd never seen in action before. But that worked really well. Hangouts, again, is very like Zoom. Lots of windows with people um, all at once. The only drawback, obviously, being it's Google. Mm-hmm. Um, though I've had my other daughter who's used it for a different tutoring and has found it a nightmare because the tutors aren't using it properly or the way it could be used. They're not monitoring it. They're not responding things to things quickly enough, whereas I think it's something that you have to be present for and not just mm-hmm. put something on and then walk away and expect people to get on with things. Um, but I find that quite interesting as well. The, my, other, my other revelation has been TikTok. Um, which is just an addictive hole that you can just watch people do. That you can do. walk around and avoid. That's well, what I do. You could. Or you could sit there lying in bed just watching uh, <sighs> video clip after video clip after video clip and some of the dances you can do. Actually, Shelley a, has his phone confiscated. <laughs> on a, but on a fairly on a serious side, there is... Actually, what's been really nice is seeing a lot of the um, people who have come up and done doing the sort of the TikTok dances and stuff like that, particularly the NHS workers who've used it as a bit of a as a team bonding thing and some of the more ridiculous dances uh, are quite amusing and just some of the memes and stuff like that I think has been really good to sort of um, highlight you know that they they're listening to the stuff that we're doing in terms of giving them encouragement and things like that um, but it's also just some of the stuff is just really funny as well um, I'm, I've been tempted to try and organize us, in, us to doing some TikTok dances but um, I, I can't dance. I've got no coordination, no sense of rhythm, and no, no sense of music either. So, I think our children have been learning TikTok dances, but I'm just yeah, just, just looking away. Um, but um, no, TikTok I think is a bit for me is a big win. It's just it's just hilarious. It's brilliant. How are you finding um, keeping in touch with family using these kind of systems? Can your do your parents know how to use um, such things? It's been quite. I mean, what we did last night um, a the first family um, pub quiz. Which was so we had them coming in on, on daily, and and we all said and we were very. How prepared. many households was that? Was that that four? was well, no, that was three, three of us. Um, oh, two, we had two. That's what I yeah, so we we had um, two, which obviously give us issues. Um, <laughs> but we had my brother and his family, and my mum and dad, and they all. So that was sort of three three different houses, um, but they're based up in Cumbria, and obviously we're based down here in South Wales, so that really bridged that gap nicely. And it was just, yes, we used the focus of the of the quiz to make it an event, to do something. But I think because it was just an opportunity just to um, have a bit of a laugh and um, and that type of thing, that worked quite well. I, I guess what was quite good is that they, because everybody's now had the positive take on it, it's either you do this or you don't contact anybody, then they've taken a really positive thing on it that um, my dad made sure the day before that he knew how it worked, he could get it all set up. Um, I think they even talk about them putting it on the big telly uh, next time, um, which is a bit scary. Um, but it was um, even my mum got involved and all that sort of stuff. So that that was all really good. Um, so and the and the vast to do it again next week. So I'm gonna have to write another quiz. 
Um, Keep busy. Which, which I don't think <laughs> I'd, I'd really anticipated. Um, but it was, but again, I think there's a lot of people who are using it because, again, we've been forced to. Um, but there are a lot of people who might have the technology, they might have been given an iPad ages ago, but they actually have no idea how to use it. And that's quite tricky when there's no one there to go, no, you just need to go into settings and press this, and it's quite hard to do from a yeah. distance. Well, I think that's true because um, my granddad is, is self-isolating, he's, he's in that critical age bracket, he's also got diabetes and things like that. So, um, And he doesn't have internet. And so I'd suggested, well, you know, we, we could get him an iPad or a Facebook portal or something like that, and we just can't because he's got no broadband or anything, and he's got no interest in, in doing it either. Um, which puts a lot of pressure on my mum because she's got to go out and visit him every day um, or every few days or whatever, which is obviously opening up a, a level of risk. But I, if she doesn't do, go and do that, then he doesn't get his pills and he do, doesn't get any social contact. Because um, that's where I think one of these these things are. It's, it's, the, it's that community aspect. It's that we've been so lucky that I think there's so many Facebook groups and all that sort of stuff set up, um, even in our little village, of saying that you know you can go and um, does anybody need anything um, i'm going shopping does anybody need anything from the shops does anybody know what was going on um and it's a lot of people who we've never met face to face coming together uh, and actually talking um because i think you're a member of probably more groups than i am um around here but he, but just mm-hmm. simple things like knowing when the doctors are is open um or sending a message out is there a cure at the um place that doles um, medicines out. Pharmacy. Pharmacy, that's the one. Oh, it's been a long day already. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of people self-isolating. You can't go to shops, and you know they've made a special forum just for our village so that people can mm. say, "I need help." And then, you know, there's and it's going up and down the country. People going, volunteer to take part. And yeah, it's up and down the country as well because you've got for, for us. We've also got our Trim Saron um, community help type thing. Then we've got because um, we're in Carmarthenshire. There's the Carmarthenshire group as well that's been sort of set up which has got wider issues and that coming around it there's ones for Tlenethly itself and, and things like that um, and trying to pass information sort of to and from when you sort of, sort of see different things um, one of the things that I think was fascinating for me though was the first Thursday that everybody went out and clapped because it was the first I mean also we've done a fair bit of work around um, on the messages um, get, campaigns and that online and things like that and the, one of the critical things is to get something offline that is online until you can actually see, see an impact mm. and I think that was the first time I'd seen during this episode that something that was going around online so we, every 8 o'clock you're going to go out and clap for the NHS going to go and clap for the NHS but it wasn't until you went outside wait I think we were expecting to hear nothing weren't yeah. We? yeah and then people started clapping and it was sort of it's semi-spontaneous thing because somebody had to do it first Mm. Um, I can't remember whether we did it or not, or I think whether we were waiting <laughs> yeah. until someone else did. But then there was, yeah. you know, then, then it was. It started off with a bit of clapping, and then it got louder and louder, and then there was car horns and things like that. And you're like, well, and you know, pans, people banging pans and things. Yes. Um, so I thought that was a really good thing. Then they've, they've tried it with other things, which maybe didn't work quite so well. Because we we had an embarrassing incident where they were meant to be singing, we meant to go out and sing the Welsh which national, national anthem, anthem yeah. which is terrible. We I'm trying to learn Welsh, but the Welsh national anthem is just a nightmare of pronunciations. <laughs> I found a phonetically written version of it. So we did go outside and we were going to have a go, but there was a deathly silence. Yeah. You could hear someone quite far away having a go, but that um, didn't work at all. No, it didn't. And I think the 
Which was a shame. I can, I can belt it out to a rubber stadium because I think you're... Um, you have a backing singer. Yeah, you, 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 so you, you just merge into the background. But, uh, but yes, when it comes to, like, to trying to take a lead for it, that, that was quite hard work. Um, I think what's been quite good is there's been lots of good uh, memes going around as well. Um, you know, basically, I think the whole idea about trying to raise people's spirits um, of just a like on on your Facebook and Twitter and things like that, but also WhatsApp groups and things like that. People sending random stuff. Um, you, basically, I think humor, like things like Trump pretending that actually none of this is happening, and um, but also just general wind ups over other little things. I think that's been um, people have been quite inventive with what what mm. they've been doing. Um, but then there, I think there's also been quite a, quite a negative side to this as well, because again, yes, we are all so connected, um, but then it also allows um, a lot of information to come through that maybe we we just wouldn't have had in the past. So there's right. a there's a real focus on statistics at the moment. Well, I think um, to start with, I mean, right in the beginning when we started off all these groups, I found. There were quite a few people sharing things, so it hadn't got the source, so they haven't shared it from the original source. They basically just either screenshotted it or something and shared it. So there was a one that went round in the first week about um, if you contacted the number on the back of a tin of baby milk, then they would send you free oh, something. Yeah, yeah. It was things like that, which were quite easily shown to be absolute rubbish. So a lot of people would then comment saying, you can't share this, this is rubbish. And I think people did quite quickly jump on things to say stop sharing this but that has carried on people do keep sharing things that don't show where they've come from and that is quite annoying where you can't verify things or work out where it's come from or why they're sharing it in the first place so the i mean effectively it's um people see it as quite harmless though don't they because they i think um, it'd be helpful yeah, helpful, which which again fits back with work we did ages ago around why does why do messages go viral? Um, why, one, why do people propagate them? In the yeah, first and, place? and one of the bits is is around if you think you're providing a great a greater good, um, and we have this idea that actually it doesn't you know even if you're propagating something that maybe wasn't quite right, it's well, better it might not, to it might not be true, but yeah, you know, it it's better to be. share it than not. Yeah. And actually, we know that actually that's almost how a denial of service attack works. Um, because you're you're flooding the the space with so much false information that the real information can't get through. So we kind of need people to um, start thinking about the information they're working with. Um, There's a lot of things coming through that say this is from a medical insert random role here, and basically a copied, cut and pasted thing that yeah. looks like it's from an email. And again, those are completely unverifiable. So why yeah. you know it, Makes people think it's the equivalent of my friend's friend's yeah um, father's cousin father's cousin's dog um, sort of said something and and again it's just it's that what is now trendily called fake news um, which has been around forever but it's um, it's really bad so the biggest one we've seen um, recently which is could have an impact in the future is the five G conspiracy mm. so this this whole virus is caused by five G and there was I've seen some things wait some YouTube videos apparently from senior executives saying that they saw this coming ages ago, which is complete and utter rubbish, rubbish um, to put it politely. Um but it's you know it, it's just another thing that pe- people people they they, they, they they want information and so they see this and and it fits with this idea, this overall idea that 
the government and the um, out to get and us. the man he's trying to yeah he's, he's hiding something from us. Um, now I dare say that there are some some things out there that we do need to be concerned about, do need to be worried about, but it's all getting saturated away in in this in this stuff. Delightful conspiracy theories. Because the other one again is now coming up is the um, is the vaccination issues as well. Um, how this I saw one the other day. This has all been caused by um, vaccines. And stuff, and you said they go, no, we, we need the vaccine. It's not the other way around. Um, There'll be lots and lots of Americans who think that this is a problem with antibiotics because Trump said so. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, and again, that goes into some stuff we've looked at in the past, isn't it? About because um, Trump is, is effectively a viral ma- uh, maven, um, so he says something. It's a bit like when any, any celebrity purports to push any of this stuff forward, they have a sense of authority. That they maybe don't even realise they've got, though Trump clearly does, um, and people believe them without actually checking the facts. Um, the other one was which you found was the that NHS photo. Yeah, there were. I think it's probably been lots of different ones, but basically people photoshopping. Um, if someone holds up a board with a message on it, so the NHS staff were holding up the board saying, "Please stay home, keep us safe." Mm-hmm. But then they're quite easy to Photoshop to put whatever message you want. So they were being turned political, so basically saying, you know, stay home if you're a Tory, we're not treating you in this hospital, which is obviously not what they said originally. Yeah. Uh, but I've learned a new trick, which is reverse image searching, which I'd never tried before. Okay. You said that you'd never... I'm, I've never... How, how did that work? Um, it worked really well. So basically someone was sharing this, and I generally just ignore stuff on Facebook and move on but sometimes people share things you're like why did you share that and that can't possibly be what it was meant to originally say so you can now reverse image search I downloaded an app that did it and you basically upload the photo into it and it searches spiders across all these sites and it tells you where it's been shown before and you can find out where it originally was shared from what they've changed um which is quite useful that's clever if you're into finding out where things come from I I tend to because that's the kind of person I am. Well, I think it's something we've got to really get into, isn't it? Because no, you, we've got to be more judgmental about the stuff we follow, we, the stuff we share. You've got to go back and check that what the message has been given is the message that should have been given. So a really good example of that is the, the recent stuff about the MPs' pay rise, mm. about you know they're all getting an extra 10 grand just to work from home. Everywhere yeah. near us. And it, but again, it, it's it's... It plays into that psyche that the MPs are doing. Um, you know, it's them and us. It's them and us, and they. You know, why should they get it when there's people who um, are really suffering? Yeah. Which is a really legit argument. But then when you dig into it, they haven't been given an extra ten grand at all. They've been given an extra, um, um, an extra, the extra ten grand to be made available for their staff so they can work work from home. So if they haven't, if normally MP staff would work from from their offices. Um, but then they still got to carry on the casework that they're doing because they generally uh, work with a lot of really vulnerable people, a, a lot of really desperate people. Which I know we're all in um, desperate states one way or another. But uh, if you've got to the level where you're going to get involved with your MP and they're handling your case, then there's obviously some real issues around that. That can't just stop because of what we're doing. And even though Parliament isn't sitting, um, an MP's work doesn't just stop. So that story was whipped up. Um, and in fact, by the, by a lot of the tabloid press as well, to, uh, to be what it wasn't, um, and because it fit in with this idea that, um, that that there was a conspiracy, effectively conspiracy theory against against everything, people wanted to forward it on and, and whip up hysteria. So, 
I think fundamentally stop it. Just <laughs> just stop um, stop sending stuff before we actually go and check what the sources of that information should be. If you are a human factors practitioner or in a related discipline and are not already a member, then do look up the Chartered Institute of Ergonomics and Human Factors. They are the professional institution for all human factors practitioners. Find them at www.ergonomics.org.uk. I mean, cybercrime itself is still uh, very active. Um, I've seen I've seen a few things um, coming through, like this week, um, like so, so people fishing for information and and things like that. So this is still being used as an opportunity and still being exploited. Um, one of the worst ones I've seen coming through is obviously go, the government's uh, sorry our government is uh, providing support to people, but then people who are fishing for information are sending texts out looking like they're from the government but saying you need to click on this link to access information and things like that. So just because everybody's in lockdown doesn't mean that we can stop um, look, stop looking at the information and stop being critical about what, uh, what it is we get and we still have to have our, our cyber shields up. There's a lot of misinformation coming out as well, obviously. There's lots of bodies, countries, people who are wanting us to be confused, and some yes. of the information that's coming out is deliberately being released to confuse us. Um, I saw a brilliant um, thing that was on the internet. I think, I think it was a um, an article, actually, about a group of professors and other such eminent academics who were specialising in propaganda and, you know, analysing where it's coming from and all this kind of stuff. Um, but they were using their Twitter accounts to tweet out examples so if they came across misinformation or such things conspiracy theories being touted around they were sharing them with their networks so this article was pointing out that maybe they were possibly going against what they should be doing um, and instead of using them as case studies possibly in future academic work they were propagating conspiracy theories and misinformation by spreading around the networks well, just not the it, cleverest because they didn't realize that they're um just how much exploitation they have. Well, yeah, but, uh, possibly. Well, I think it was, yeah, the article was pretty misconstrued what they were doing, but I found it quite hilarious. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah. But there was, yeah, there was obviously a lot of examples of them. There's, um, well, again, because, again, the social media networks are really good for um, sharing the information, I guess. And because this is so new, the science is so new, people are very much um, using it to, to communicate it round and to try and share opinion. Um, it's just really difficult, isn't it? Um, there's um, there are some really good people out there though who are trying to do the battling of this. Um, so there is a um, a COVID nineteen cyber volunteer um, group out there, and they're doing a lot of briefing work to uh, to help um, organisations battle um, cyber crime through this through this. Um, it's, again, it's a whole bunch of volunteers who've just come together um, to to help deal with that. So that's worth checking out there on sort of Twitter and LinkedIn and things like that. Um, I was going to talk about the negatives of using um, video conferencing with zero experience. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you possibly mean. Yeah, well, I was going to talk about think you know things like talking to my mum and dad, where all you see is either up their nostrils or. Um, 
their curtain pole behind their heads because they can't angle the camera properly. Um, but we were going to talk about um, conferences because mm, in, the, in the first week, or well, might even mean just before lockdown, they cancelled a big meeting I was meant to go to. It was meant to be over 100 people in it and they decided to go online with it. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely awful. Um, so you had 100 people either logging onto this web forum or dialing in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was very hard to manage when a lot of people had no idea what they were doing. Most people hadn't muted their microphones. So you can imagine 100 people on a video call asking for a cup of tea from their friends who were possibly walking past, a dog coming dog in. Dog going on, yes. There was all sorts. And it was just a nightmare. But I think it was a case in point of people who'd never used this equipment before. Yeah. Now, I think even three weeks in, there's a whole load of etiquette rules maybe that have come in, sort of saying... You do need to meet your my microphone if you're not talking and there's a large group of you. This is how you behave. You know, one person is in charge and they're going to go around each person and tell them when to talk. It's all these kind of things which I don't think we'd ever had to deal with before because people just haven't used it. No, there's a really good bit there, isn't there? Especially if you're managing the meeting. Yeah. And Well, I've sort of done it with teleconferences in the past because I think, I guess, kind of the way you've, you've worked it, but this is because the way you've, more people have been forced to do it. Yeah. But as a, it's a, to you as the, if you're running the the, the meeting, to lay out the ground rules um, quite early on. And I was in, I think, two meetings back, two weeks back to back. And one of them I was presenting at. And this was kind of before lockdown, because um, I was in London. And um, you, there were so many people again dialing, list, just listening in, so it was more of a seminar. And no matter how many times we said, if anybody could mute the microphones, could you just mute your microphone, could you just mute... There's still people that think, oh, they don't mean me. Um, yeah, that's exactly what we had. And I think, yeah, and the, and the amount of times, you heard, in fact, we heard the doorbell go, we heard somebody have a parcel delivered and, and these sort of things, which was quite amusing. Um, so if you're on a conference call, yeah, whoever's leading it, take charge of it and say, you know, these are the rules, but you will all mute unless. And don't take it as a, a and don't just randomly sort of chip in. If you are going to chip in for the first time, say who it is, because yeah. obviously not everybody can tell who it is. But if you if it's the first because time, you... I think a lot of the video calls. What I've noticed, if you're on little windows, if you're being seen, it flicks to whoever's microphone is on. So if yeah. you're just if there's background noise or something, it won't come off you and go onto the person who's actually talking. So there's a whole load of technical issues yeah. that you could. And, and some people dial in as well, so yeah, you can have so a mixture of dial in and, and yeah. things like that. Which because we had um, speakers, they were trying to go to different speakers, and some of them were dialing in, and some of them, and you just couldn't find them, and it was which you, know, brings... you could go, oh, let's go to this person. Oh, they're not there. Which brings on to the next point, which is test it. Um, If you've got the opportunity to, even if you're just dialing in, test the number work. You might get it as saying this conference isn't active yet or whatever, but at least you then know that that works. That is one of the good things about Skype is you can do the test call to make sure that your microphone and headphone or whatever system it is that you're using um, works. You've got a conference coming up, a virtual conference. And how are they doing that? That's a jolly good question. Um, so, yes, yeah, so you're referring to the Ergonomics Conference, which was meant to be um, back in this month. That has now next changed week, to... Next week, Next week, yeah. Uh, which um, KSHARP is sponsoring part of it. Um, Maybe the week after. I don't know what week it is. I was going to say, it might be next month. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. um, um, but no, it, it's still time to register, though. So yeah. if anybody wants to go to... Um, oh, next week, it's week after. Yeah. Sorry. If anybody wants to still register for the conference, they still can. And But they're doing it... For, I guess it's going to be experimental because they're going to do a mixture of um, recorded content. So that's podcasts, actual videos, 
online presentations and things like that. Um, it's still going to be scheduled, in, so it's still a good, good program, so you still dip in for the bit, but there's going to be more content available online um, that you can then download, I think, till the end of um, end of October. I'd have to check that date, but there is going to be a significant period where you can just download content. Um, so whilst it was, whilst it's very experimental, um, we'll sort of see how that how that works because actually, if it works well like that, then there's no reason why the following year we couldn't do a mixture of the two. People be- who can't get there. Yeah, because yeah. one. I mean, whilst I'm disappointed in many ways, and this is no reflection on the organisation at all, because you know that's the situation we're in. One of the biggest things I like about this conference, uh, the ergonomic conference, is the social aspect. And it's one of the best social um, networking um, conferences I think there is around. And it, it's really, really good fun. So I'm really disappointed to miss out on that this year. But I'm still pleased that we're going to get the content there because the content is going to be um, they, still really good. Are they going to be trying to attempt any social networky type of... I believe so. Events? There's been, there's been um, some significant hinting to um, some still some having some network having some networking aspects. So hopefully by the time we come do the next podcast, we'll know a bit more and we'll be able to Virtual um, tell people. Evening, maybe. That's an idea. <laughs> How will you make that work? That would be really really weird. <laughs> anyway, we'll. Um, but yeah, so I mean, there is also a. Um, just before I mention it, I've got to make sure I get the the, the right date. But this Sunday, there's going to be a. Um, if you're into infosec, um, information security, and that type of thing, there's thing called, this thing called the Many Hats Club, which is basically their own brand of conferencing. Um, and they're, they're a lot more, I guess, informal. They're not they're not the uh, usual stand up, but they're doing um, an online conference on Sunday, so at two o'clock called I, um, Isolation Con. Um, so I'm going to try and attend that uh, remotely and sort of see how that works because obviously they're that's more geared around um, IT and information uh, security professionals. Um, but we'll sort of see how that how they um, engage with this and see basically what ideas I can make of them. Uh, that'd be quite good. Um, so there's also a lot of um, fake news going around as well. Um, some of it, as you've already alluded to, is is uh, deliberately fake um, from certain countries, shall we say, and certain um, more more official organisations. Um, but even People are using it to their own ends, aren't they? Um, there's, and they're, they're, people have their all all the different motivations from it, whether it's um, political or just generally their own sort of ego type stuff. So we really we we with all this news coming through, um, what can we do uh, in to basically check all this stuff? What do you think? I was just interrupted by a picture of someone's chicken drinking out of their teacup. Um, as you do. So what can we do to be checking um, the information that we read? What, what do we need to do about it? Uh, you need to check sources. Okay. So where did it come from? Um, can you verify it as somewhere that you would be sharing from if you knew where it was coming from? And also, why are you sharing it? Does it help anybody? Is it just muddying waters? Is it best not to? So do you think we have a personal... Everybody has a set a personal responsibility um, to not, um, I guess, what am I trying to say? Um, where people obviously get, so some people are very scared by this current situation, so yeah. we don't want people to whip up hysteria. Um, and so there's a lot of that. You've also highlighted the, the tools that you use to, um, so you can back search 
um, for textual stuff. You can go onto like Snopes and websites yeah, like that, yeah. and they'll. I find that's really useful. Um, so they'll do that. But you've also highlighted the um, the photo image searching, um, yeah. which is re I think that NHS example you raised was a really good one because they've obviously um, the staff have obviously had that photo in there was a whole for, for, for really good reason, too, yeah. and then people misappropriating that for whatever end, you know, be political, whatever. Or just to put I, jokes on or whatever. It's just, it's it's just yeah. insulting to them people who are actually working really, really difficult. Um, I normally, there's the old adage, isn't there? The, if it sounds too good to be true. It probably is. It generally is. is. Um, or if it sounds too bad, I guess is, it, the opposite is true as well. Um, another thing I'd like to highlight, but I'm hoping there's going to be another podcast um, being done about this, is the, the group that's come together around 3D printing. So, obviously, there's been a huge shortage of uh, personal protective equipment, or PPE. Um, and there's been lots of different people who've got the 3D printers now um, who've been printing the face masks or bits of face masks. Now, we've got involved in this with the Allen Valley um, Makerspace and uh, through an organisation called Frontline 3D Print Farms. So, we, we're farmers now, did you know? Um, so, we've set up 3D printers, and basically, we're all printing bits. And But this whole community bit has come together through social media. I've never met any of the others. Um, and that's all just come together by almost word of mouth or by um, uh, through social media, and they're organising. Oh, we've got people um, doing the bits of fundraising for, um, for for the print materials that we need. There's people sharing advice, um, both online with the chat groups, but also WhatsApp groups. We've got um, I think <laughs> your funny little chat groups. The uh, yeah, we've got three. Just for this one organisation, we've got three chat groups. We've got one that is the official chat group that is you know asking advice and stuff on the printing and stuff like that. But then, because we like about midnight and stuff we're very like that, naughty. we were um, yeah maybe one to have like a shandies. We had to set up another print group, so we so the proper print group didn't get diluted with um, the nonsense that we were spouting. But we've never met, but we've also been able to have a bit of a banter and um, and help alleviate um, the the isolation side of things. Um, and then another one had to come out to actually deal with the, lo the, the logistics of people picking up and dropping off all the stuff we're doing for decontamination and all that sort of stuff. But again, that's all come out of just cyber because, like I said, nobody's met. And we're all, the whole community just come together. I mean, this is now looking at delivering up and down Wales now, uh, which is just absolutely fantastic. There's now over 30 farms, uh, which we're one, um, doing this, um, which I just think is brilliant. Yeah. I think mean, so the community really aspect of... The last few weeks is amazing, really, really nice. Yeah, I think this, I think this is going to change things permanently. I think I think this is more not just a one-off. This is going to be something that's that's bigger, um, bigger than all of us. Well, our, our village never had a a group for us to chat to, and now there's people posting on it every day and saying, you know, putting you know, if they've got spare eggs or something from their chickens, they put them on the front wall for people to help themselves. The, we don't uh, have spare eggs. <laughs> We just, we, we, we just, just get them to bake more. Um, no, I think, but what is going to be really weird, and I get, I think we'll cover this in, a, in another podcast in more detail, but after this is over, the lockdown is finally is lifted. It if it is ever over, do we just stay in our houses hibernating forever? But um, this is going to change um, our culture, I think. Um, you know, the, can you imagine like going up and just hugging somebody at the moment? randomly in the no, street or even we keep watching tv programs and if anyone gets a bit too close we're like Ooh, social distancing it just looks wrong now because yeah. we're but, so used to but they also have to, have, used to so it. i was watching one of the saturday morning tv um cookery things and it said it, it now has warnings up beforehand of say this was 
this was filmed pre-lockdown. You can see that they're like getting close, yeah. and it is really weird. So, but I think we'll save um, save all that for a, another podcast. So, after all of that, I think we've to summarise. All of this is still good stuff. All the cyber cyber work is is really really positive, and it's the one way that we're actually staying sane through all of this. But do treat everything you see um, with caution. Do your due diligence. If you see news stories and that, if it if you think it's too scandalous or whatever, it probably is. Check your sources. You can do. You can check your textual sources. You can check your photographic sources. Um, and if it sounds too good to be true, to check it. Amanda, thank you very much for spending your time and allow me to sit in our kitchen and and talk to you. Um, actually, for nearly an hour. Um, with um, <laughs> do a little bit of editing. I I can't be bothered. Um, <laughs> Yeah, for those who've listened to this podcast before, no, I'm not really really hot on it. I used to be. I used to take out all the little herms and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I don't do that anymore. It's just too many of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, took, it took longer to edit than it did to actually um, produce in the first place. Um, People got more time on their hands, it's all right. Well, this is and true. An hour worth of butchering is fine. And this makes it more enjoyable. It make, make, makes people feel like they're maybe in here without kitchen with us. So we mm. maybe need to tidy it first. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So thank you very much for, for t- telling us a bit about yourself and, and giving us the, the benefit of your knowledge and experience. Um, in <laughs> other stuff, and no doubt you'll be coming back to another one because obviously I can't get anybody else. Else. <laughs> else to interview at the moment. Um, and so, yeah, no, we'll, we'll, no doubt this will hopefully, you might even listen back to this one. No, actually you probably won't listen back to this one. Um, but in other stuff, um, we've already mentioned the Ergonomics Conference. That's coming up in two weeks' time, and there is still time to register for that. So if you search for, if you go to the CIEHF website, um, or just search for CIEHF Ergonomics Conference, or um, or ODAM, or anything like that, go find it. Um, it is a virtual conference, so you can have a look on there and see exactly what content that's going to be available. And I thoroughly recommend that you do so. Um, if you've never been to the Ergonomics Conference before, it'll be a really good, I guess, taster into what the actual full conference is like when you actually get to meet up physically. And, and because it's not actually um, taken four days out of your time, it's actually a lot more accessible as well. So I recommend you do that. And the last thing, I know we keep on banging on about this, but your um, continuing professional development, your CPD, it's there's been suggestions that actually we don't need to do as much CPD um, because of this lockdown. But actually... Whilst that may be may or may not be true, there's an actual wealth of opportunity. It's not like you're going out anywhere else. Um, get yourself online, and there's lots of um, online content people who are delivering a lot of their stuff a lot cheaper at the moment. So if you want to do, if you want to learn something a bit new, or you want to go and look at a new discipline, say maybe you want to look into I don't know agile stuff, or you want to go and look at new ways of project management, or anything like that, you can probably get yourself a really cheap course online somewhere. And I'm going to do that, or go and find go and find yourself another podcast. But make sure you come back to this one, um, and go and see um, what else is out there. It's an ideal time to stack up. You see, remember, you only need five bits of CPD for the year. You could get it all done in the next couple of weeks, and and then not worry about it for the for the rest of the year. Though if you're doing it right, you would do it spread out. Um, but apart from that, I hope you're all keeping well, and we'd appreciate any feedback you've got. If you um, if you fancy a chat and telling us a bit about what you're doing um, during lockdown, then it'd be great to hear from you. Um, just get in touch. But apart from that, keep safe, and we'll see you on the next one. 
Thank you for listening to 1202, the Human Factors Podcast. Please do get in touch with your thoughts, questions, and comments. You can contact us at www.barrykirby.co.uk and on Twitter at B-A-Z underscore K. See you next time. And remember, it's more than just common sense.